the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. What does it mean to be a Christian? There are many possible answers. It means to be baptized and believe certain things. It implies a commitment to prayer and the church. But if we boil it down to its simplest form, we can point to the exchange in today's gospel. Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And Matthew arose and followed him. The call to follow me highlights the truth that being a Christian is a relationship of trust with the person, Jesus Christ. Of course, following Jesus means believing certain things. You can't really trust a person unless you know who he is. That's why we learn the truths of the scriptures and the creeds. Our neighbors across the street, the Mormons, believe different things about Jesus. To follow the Jesus as they understand it is a completely different vocation and call. Following Jesus will also lead us to do certain things. Jesus commanded us to be baptized, to gather for the Eucharist, to obey the moral commandments, to love each other as he loved us. This helps us to know some of the things that Jesus calls us to do. For example, if it is Sunday morning, you wake up and say, what is Jesus calling me to do today? The answer might be simple, get up and go to church. Similarly, if we ask what Jesus is calling us to do on an issue of morality, the answer will be obey the commandments. When someone says that Jesus is calling them or they feel called by Jesus to do something that violates a commandment, we know that it is not the voice of Jesus they are hearing. As 1 John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But following Jesus means more than believing in things and worshiping God and his church. We are called to follow Jesus in all circumstances, even circumstances where the answer is not related to doctrine or spiritual disciplines or morality. For example, if a person is deciding between two job offers and neither job requires any moral compromise, the question of what it means to follow Jesus in such a case is a matter of discernment. This leads to a further question. Does God always have a specific will for us in every area of life? Do we believe that the one job offer is always God's will for us, or that one of them is, and therefore the other is not? Or does God give us some element of freedom? This question often surfaces in relationships. People ask, how do I know if this other person is the one for me? Implicit in the question is the assumption that God has one person for everyone, which is an interesting assumption. This idea can be reduced to absurdity. For example, at the restaurant, does God want me to order the chicken sandwich or the hamburger? Of the three potential routes to my destination to come up on my phone map, which one does God want me to take? The assumption that God has a specific will in every circumstance 
can result in the abdication of personal responsibility. If I think God calls me to each specific thing, and one of those things doesn't work out so well, then I can blame God. The tension between God's sovereign control of all things and human free will is a kind of paradox. The paradox cannot be resolved and should not try to be resolved. We should not try to resolve it. If we do, we'll fall into error. If God really has a specific will in every circumstance, then we lose our freedom. But if we are free to do whatever we want in issues that are not moral or doctrinal, then we lose a sense of God's guidance in life and the ordinary events. But this is a paradox that comprises a beautiful mystery that actually is what makes life worth living. We need both parts of the paradox. We need God's sovereign ordering of the events of life. To be completely free without any guidance from God is kind of a scary thing. But meaningful life also requires freedom. To be told what to do in every single circumstance without any action of the will is stifling. Fortunately, the Bible teaches that God's sovereignty works in and through human freedom, even when we make bad choices. As Romans 8.28 says, God works in all things for good, for those who love God and are the call according to his purpose. Sovereignty and freedom merge when God's guidance becomes the ground for the exercise of our freedom. To go back to the question of whether a certain person is the one, there are some practical questions that can guide the decisions that one can pray about. Are the personalities, are your personalities compatible? Are your life goals compatible? Do you share a faith? What things truly bother you about the other person and you're willing to put up with that for the rest of your life? The prayer might be reframed. Rather than asking, is this the one, you might ask, God, help me to see what life would be like with this person. Help me to know what I should know. Then your free will decision can be governed by God's wisdom and providence. And this framework can guide decisions in all areas of life. However God guides us in life, we will face challenges, trials, and tests. We will have trouble discerning and persevering in God's will if we think that following Jesus is going to free us from all pain and trial. Sometimes God will lead us into things that are difficult because he thinks we can handle them and he thinks we will grow through them. Just like a parent facilitates a child's growth by giving that child more challenges. If we want God to reveal his will to us, we must be willing to accept whatever is revealed to us. God's will is clearest when he calls us to do something we do not necessarily want to do or something that is not the easiest path. The greatest danger lies we are praying for what we want. We may subconsciously blind ourselves to the negative evidence. 
And there are other complications, for other people have free will also. You may decide that this is the one for you, but that other person may decide that you're not the one. The future will always be complicated by the existence of other people with contrary wills and by events and circumstances we cannot control in life. Fortunately, God works in all things for good. Human freedom and the changes and chances of this mortal life never have the last word. To believe this is what it means to believe that Jesus is Lord. And we must trust in the power of Jesus as Lord over all things if we're going to continue to follow him and trust him. To follow Jesus means to live in a conversation. If we stop listening to God, if we abandon the ongoing conversation of prayer, we lose our way. Thus, following Jesus means staying connected to the person of Jesus through our prayer. If we are confused or uncertain about what is happening, but we are connected to Jesus in faith and prayer, we live in the security of faith. But if we abandon our posture of praying and waiting for something that feels more certain or secure or comfortable now, we exchange the security of faith for the insecurity of this world. Staying connected to Jesus means staying connected to his body, the church. And there is logic here. The church is the body of Christ. If we want to follow Christ, then we must be connected to and accountable to the members of his body. How can we follow Christ if we are separated from his body? Then we become dismembered body parts. It is also dangerous to try to follow Christ all by ourselves because it is difficult to distinguish always between God's voice and other interior voices, doubts and fears. We need the wisdom and accountability that comes from other members of the body who are outside of our subjective uh, situation so that we can follow Christ together. And when we are separated from the body, the body loses our gifts, gifts that others need to follow Christ. In confirmation, the bishop asked us, do you promise to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? <clears throat> when we answered, I do, we followed the example of St. Matthew, our patron. And this is the essence of the Christian life. As Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.